0: Welcome to your Sunday Reader. Today we'll be discussing the readings for the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, 2010. A reading from the book of the prophet Nehemiah. Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which consisted of men, women, and those children old enough to understand. Standing at one end of the open place that was before the water gate, he read out of the book from daybreak till midday, in the presence of the men, the women, and and those children old enough to understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. He opened the scroll so that all the people might see it, for he was standing up higher than any of the people. And as he opened it, all the people rose. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, And all the people, their hands raised high, answered, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and prostrated themselves before the Lord, their faces to the ground. Ezra read plainly from the book of the law of God, interpreting it so that all could understand what was read. Then Nehemiah, that is his excellency, and Ezra the priest-scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to all the people, Today is holy to the Lord your God. Do not be sad, and do not weep. For all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. He said further, Go, eat rich foods and drink sweet drinks, and allot portions to those who had nothing prepared. For today is holy to our Lord. Do not be saddened this day, for rejoicing in the Lord must be your strength. The Word of the Lord
1: Thanks be to God. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life.
0: Your words, Lord, are spirit and life.
1: The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple.
0: Your words, Lord, are spirit and life.
1: The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eye.
0: Your words, Lord, are spirit and life.
1: The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true, all of them just.
0: Your words, Lord, are spirit and life.
1: Let the words of my mouth and the thought of my heart find favor before you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
0: Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, as a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free persons, and we were all given to drink of one Spirit. Now the body is not a single part, but many. If a foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it does not, for this reason, belong any less to the body. Or if an ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it does not, for this reason, belong any less to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God placed the parts, each one of them, in the body as he intended. If they were all one part, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, nor again the head to the feet, I do not need you. Indeed, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are all the more necessary, and those parts of the body that we consider less honorable We surround with greater honor, and our less presentable parts are treated with greater propriety, whereas our more presentable parts do not need this. But God has so constructed the body as to give greater honor to a part that is without it, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the parts may have the same concern for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it and if one part is honored all the parts share its joy now are now you are Christ's body and individually parts of it some people god has designated in the church to be first apostles second prophets third teachers then mighty deeds then gifts of healing assistance administration and varieties of tongues are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers Do all work mighty deeds? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak tongues? Do all interpret? The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Since many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning and ministers of the Word have handed them down to us, I, too, have decided, after investigating everything accurately anew, to write it down in an orderly sequence for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may realize the certainty of the teachings you have received. Jesus returned to Galilee, in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues, and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, and went, according to his custom, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read, and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll, and found the passage where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and let the oppressed go free, and proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord.
0: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hello, and welcome to your Sunday reader. I'm Father Brian, and I'm here today with Don.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And we're all in very cheery moods today. <laughs> <laughs> Don, it sounds like you've been busy or something over at the office.
1: Yes, you know, we're trying to get a bulletin, of course, done, and we're a day short this week because we had a holiday. And
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right.
1: Oh, the saga of living in or working in a parish.
0: Yes. Well, I I completely forgot there was a holiday yesterday. <laughs> And late in the week, the previous week, I realized Monday was open, so when people were calling to schedule appointments, I was like, oh, I got Monday open. I scheduled, I had uh, two masses and two appointments on a day when I was supposed to have off. The office was closed.
1: That sounds, we had parish council last night, so technically.
0: <laughs> oh, so you, well, you had the same thing then. It's, it's amazing how, how yeah. our days off still end up being days of work,
1: huh? Well, I guess At least we're doing God's work. How about that?
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. And speaking of doing God's work, we're going to talk about some of these scripture readings that we heard today. One of um, the things from the gospel story that we have is we have the beginning of Luke's gospel. We're now moving into the year of Luke and his gospel. And before we'd been reading for the first couple of weeks from John, so we have the beginning of Luke's gospel where he kind of has the introduction to the gospel where he talks about this... um, be, you know, the purpose of it, writing his gospel for the uh, to realize the teachings, that the certainty of the teachings you've received. One of the things I was reading in a commentary about this that would have been troublesome for Luke's community is the fact that at the time when Luke was writing, it seemed that the mission to the Gentiles was going well, but the mission to the Jewish people was not going so well. And there was that tension. And the real question that that brought up was, How faithful is our God? Because God made a promise to the Jewish people that they would be his people. And now it seems that the Gentiles are the ones who are following him. And the Jewish people are kicking the Gentiles out of the, or the new Christians out of the church and everything, or out of the synagogue. Mm -hmm. And there's all this kind of going on. And the question is, well, if God wasn't faithful to the Jewish people, How is he going to be faithful? How can the Gentiles trust that he'll be faithful to them too? Ah. So that's kind of a background for Luke's. And Luke's, Luke's, um, and we'll see this kind of throughout the whole year in the intent of Luke's writing that what's going on is he's showing that he is faithful to both the Jewish people and the Gentiles who have converted and are following Christ now. And so one of the things that he will be trying to do is show how, What Christ does is in fulfillment of the Jewish tradition. And so, of course, we start off and we've got this story about Jesus as a child um, going into the synagogue and opening a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. And the scroll, of course, reads, "...the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and let the oppressed go free." And to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. And then he rolls up, the, after saying all that, he rolls up this scroll and says, the scripture has just been fulfilled and you're hearing it today. <laughs> what he's doing is he is linking himself to the servant I, in the prophet Isaiah. And that's an important link because it shows how Jesus is connected to this Jewish tradition. He is the one that Isaiah was foretelling about. So God is not going back on his promise to the Jewish people. He's not abandoning them, nor will he abandon those who are following him in Christ. And that's an important thing. So that that's really what this whole passage today is about right there.
1: I just love the imagery of, you know, he's standing up there, read it. He rolls it up. He sits down and says, now nah, you've heard it. It's
0: <laughs> that's, right. that's right.
1: It would have been great to be a fly on the wall there. <laughs> You know, I also, um, one of my favorite images or, well, stories to put myself into is in our first reading today is, um, as so the Israelites have been in exile for three generations. They come back and they find their temple in ruins and, you know, can you just imagine what it must have been like? Yeah. And then Ezra comes out and he gathers the people before him and and he starts reading and just how comforting that must have been that, you know, my parents didn't live here. My grandparents, they have gone, but now I'm back. I don't have any connection to this place so much other than in our tradition. And, but then I hear the stories that I've been told my whole life and here's where they happened or here's, you know, this is my connection to my land and what a way to begin a new life in that
0: yeah, and I think you're right. It's one of those things that there is a real comforting in the sorrow that the people were experiencing because it was their whole way of life. They came back and found that what they were coming back to was ruins. And that's not what they were hoping for, obviously. Even though they have been exiled for so many years, they were hoping to come back and, and have the temple there. And it talks about how they're there weeping over that, rightfully so. Right. And Ezra comes forward and all of a sudden reminds them that they are not to be weeping, but to be rejoicing. They are back in their land. Um, And as you said, he starts reading from their tradition, from their scriptures, which form that sense of comfort, reminding them that um, they are rejoicing, that God has returned them to their land and that God is still with them. I think for us, this happens a lot to us in moments of tragedy and sorrow. You know, you look at what happened in Haiti, and you see mm-hmm. that. And there's a couple responses you can have to that. You can say, oh, I'm abandoning faith and abandoning hope. Where is there hope in this world? Or you can say that this is the time when we need our faith the most. This is the time when we have to trust that God is present and somehow working in situations that we really cannot grasp anything good out of. Um, And that, that, I think, is something that's real trying for us. I think as Christians, we have it a little better than the Jewish people did, because we have faith in Christ who conquered the power of sin and death. But he also told us that the way to do that is by entering into the suffering, by entering into the Um, solidarity with those who are suffering and that is the way to ironically conquer the power of sin and death to be freed from the oppression and the captivity but i mean again it's something that in the face of disaster is never easy and but it can be a great consolation our our faith can be in those times of mourning and despair definitely and then finally we've got on this image of the body that Paul uses, and this is one of our favorite things, I think, to talk about on this podcast. Um,
1: And how appropriate that it's the uh, Week for Christian Unity we're celebrating this week. That is right. Uh, This is the um, second reading. Mm -hmm.
0: You're right, and it is, uh, I don't know if you're, are you guys doing anything for Christian Unity out in Canandaigua?
1: we're praying for it. Okay.
0: We have an ecumenical group here in Rochester, and actually the night we're recording this, so this will be posted the day after we've done it, but we're having a prayer service with over at uh, the Presbyterian Church with uh, a number of ecumenical leaders. So there's about, I think, four or five different churches uh, represented there. And you're right, there is that we are one body with many parts. It doesn't just apply to the Catholic Church interiorly, because so often we, when we talk about it, we're talking about within the Catholic Church what are the gifts of each individual person. Mm-hmm. But there is a sense in which we need to remember that as Christians we are one body, and we need to work towards that unity. And of course that doesn't mean that we abandon our own faith. That's that's not it right. at all, or compromise the truths of our faith to accommodate others. We have to be honest about our differences that we do have. And we need to be proud of our own Catholic heritage and our Catholic faith. But we part of that tells us that unity is important. We see it in Paul. We see it certainly in Christ uh, when he prays that we may be one as he and the Father are one. So that is a real important theme to being Christian and what it means to be a Christian is to work for that unity while also recognizing the individuality of everyone. Very true, very true. And on that note, Don, we are coming towards the end of our podcast. So we thank people for listening to us today, and hopefully they'll come back next week and join us on your Sunday Reader. Have a good week. God bless.